All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. We are on episode number 460, and we're recording live on April the 14th from our isolation uh, quarters. Um, Avriana, how are you this week? Hi, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, just living the quarantine life. Here in Atlanta, we had some rough weather um, over the weekend and um, yesterday, well, into yesterday. Um, so, like, lots of tornadoes coming through and heavy winds, and um, thankfully we were safe, uh, but not everybody in the state and area was. So, you know, lots of craziness going on there, but um, it was also Easter weekend for us, and so we moved egg hunts indoors and you know, streamed faith services online and <laughs> yeah. still cooked a nice meal and, you know, just were thankful for our family and this time. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're just staying positive and trying to count the blessings every day and not focus on, you know, all of the challenges so much. How about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. Like, you know, it's it's been okay. We're still getting along. Um, you know, the kids are kind of now into week two of uh, homeschooling officially with the teachers kind of teaching by video and whatnot, and Google Classroom and all that. Uh, so it's going okay, um, you know, and uh, I think like sort of getting more into the routine now of, okay, it's been a month, it's going to be another while we just need to kind of go with it and kind of figure out how we how we work in this new environment and you know even things like our retail local conferences like trying to figure out how we deliver some something like that virtually um you know just because we have to by circumstance and uh so it, it's been good easter was was fine it was you know obviously we didn't have the big family gathering but uh we celebrated we had our online church service you know we did all the all the you know stuff that you do in different ways um and uh, yeah, we didn't have the big like turkey dinner or stuff that we normally have up here. Um, but uh, we had like uh, fajitas, which is my kid's favorite for, for Easter dinner, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was which was good. Fajitas. We, fajitas. Everybody enjoyed it. Um, yeah, just something different. Hey, it's, it's it'll be it'll be a memorable Easter for sure. Because uh, next week, next year, hopefully, it's just back to normal. So, anyhow. Um, yeah, so we've got a good show for you this week. We have three industry news stories and two special guests as we continue in our members at home uh, uh, you know, version of this show that we're going to be running for the next number of weeks. Um, so we've done a couple of guest interviews with different members from their isolation uh, world. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that shortly. So in the meantime, I'll let Abriana kick it off with our, our first story, a big story uh, for this week. Yeah, you know, we had been talking a lot about using location data to track uh, COVID-19 and outbreaks and um, obviously like exposure to um, the illness. And so this is right on, you know, right on time for a lot of the discussions that we've been having and, and some of the things that you had been discussing um, just, you know, personally as well. And so Google and Apple are teaming up and they are, you know, trying to come up with a creative response to what's going on. And what they have, you know, what they're in the midst of building is, is a coronavirus tracking system that will be built into their, their OS platform. So 
Um, they intend on using short range Bluetooth communications um, to have this voluntar voluntary tracking uh, net or contact tracing network, I should say. So the way that this would work is apps that are, you know, official public health apps that a consumer can download will get access to this data. Um, so they're going to be very upfront about, you know, what data is collected and, and users who download them would then report, um, you know, if they've been diagnosed with COVID-19. So they are going to introduce a pair of iOS and Android APIs um, that will, you know, be able to be, you know, embedded into these healthcare apps. Um, it should be ready mid-May, and then they want to make sure, sure that those, um, you know, those apps get those integrated and, and adopted. You know, obviously it is opt-in, it is something that consumers have to download and it's extra, so that could limit adoption. Um, but I think that they are a little bit thoughtful in, in their approach and the fact that um, they're saying like after the API is complete, they're also going to work on building tracing functionality into just the underlying operating system. Um, so everybody who has an Android or iOS phone would have this option uh, to join in as well. So, you know, some other methods that we had talked about in terms of tracing included things like GPS, uh, you know, looking at cell tower data from the actual um, carriers, uh, facial recognition or digital surveillance. And this, you know, the Bluetooth plan of action wouldn't track people's physical location necessarily. So this is an interesting approach, right? So basically it picks up the signals of nearby phones that also have this, you know, um, either SDK that they have had this API embedded in the apps that they have or have opted in um, on the operating system when that's available. So it'll be like at five minute intervals, they'll pick up the different connections between devices, right? So an example was, that they gave was like two people meet, right? They have a 10 minute conversation, you know, a week or so later, one of them is diagnosed, you know, is not feeling well, diagnosed with COVID-19. So what happens is that um, their phones are anonymously exchanging what they're calling um, an identifier beacon, which those keys are changing frequently. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all, you know, it's anonymized, so it's not tied to your personal data or anything like that. And then with the um, diagnosed COVID-19 person's consent, they can um, upload the last 14 days uh, to be broadcast to all the beacons in the cloud that you know have those matching keys that were exchanged with his beacon. Um, so it's pretty interesting approach. I mean, there are some weaknesses with the methodology that they noted. For example, like the time that you're exposed to somebody isn't necessarily tracked. So you know, if you and I are in an office together, sitting next to each other, it's not going to you know, necessarily rank the exposure level versus somebody I just walk by, you know, to at the bus stop. Um, it also, you know, it's hard maybe in a crowded area. It might look at things like people in adjacent rooms. Um, you know, there could be some connectivity challenges as well. But from my perspective, I think this is a great option um, in terms of physical, you know, both on like health and safety. So whether that's like physical well-being, but also um, you know, from a privacy standpoint, I think that they've considered both of those things. And the fact that you have Apple and Google working together to do this, I think is um, interesting as well. Now, I am sure that there has to be some other benefits and other ways that this type of technology and this partnership can be leveraged in the future. You think about maybe advertising, um, you know, you've heard, we've heard, I've heard conversations just from the advertising world of like, you know, um, the 
the advertising identifier is going away. Both Google and Apple are getting rid of that. You know, what does that mean for the advertising industry? So is this an option for that as well that they're kind of pushing out and trying to test because of that? Um, or is this, you know, just because they are, you know, very human first companies? I don't know. Um, but I do like this approach overall. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so first of all, um, you know, the fact that Apple and Google are working together, um, that's not something we can say every day. Um, uh, so that's good. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we're in a crisis. Um, companies need to band together and try to come up with solutions. I wonder, you know, like from a patent perspective, what they're trying to do here, you know, you got to think somebody holds patents on this. Um, and you know maybe it's one of them um you know maybe uh it, it's somebody else so that, but but i'm sure kind of the, the approach that they're taking here with the randomization and anonymous keys and how that's happening over bluetooth um that's not new um and um so there's probably some discussion to be had there um but i do love the privacy uh, approach to it i do i'm with you i think there is downstream advertising implications um, you know, they, they've both companies have been pulling out of sort of the normal Bluetooth marketing sort of engagement channel uh, to try and build something that is at the OS level that they control uh, and even better that is tied to ultimately their mobile wallet uh, offerings um, because they want not just to control the ad channel, the media channel, if you will, but also to control the, the monetization of that in terms of payments. Um, so there's a longer game here for both companies um but you know let, let's let, let's think much more positively and let's stick with the covid application here and, and i think it's good it's solid uh i think this can help a lot i'd rather see honestly i'd rather see a, a joint uh operation here that includes uh not just apple and google but uh the mobile operators as well i think if you bring um the carrier side data you know alongside this um, and blend it with the Bluetooth solution that's going on here. I think this is much more effective. It's, uh, you know, you increase the reach and engagement beyond just the people who are downloading apps in the, in the early days. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to see some sort of carrier consortium play uh, to provide a solution around COVID as well in the U.S. Um, so, but yeah, I, I applaud the effort. I, anybody right now who's trying to use their technology and use their platforms to try and do something to help you know slow this thing down and, and arrest it as, as quickly as possible, I'm all for it. So yep. there you go. So that's our, our first story for this week. Um, before we get to the other two stories, I'm going to shift over now to our special series, uh, which we're calling Members at Home. And so what we've been doing is various... Uh, uh, LBMA chapter leaders uh, and and personnel have been going out and doing interviews with different members uh, from you know across the globe. Uh, and this week we have two interviews that uh, I have the pleasure of uh, sharing with you. Um, the first is um, a longtime friend, former um, uh, originator of this podcast show with myself, Rob Woodbridge, returns for a special guest appearance. He's currently the general manager for uh, uh, Lyft, uh, as in the transportation company uh, for Ottawa here in Canada. 
And, uh, you know, he's obviously working in isolation and, and sharing a little bit of his insight into what that's been like, as well as, uh, you know, what Lyft has been doing here in Canada. And the second interview is uh, Kunikawa, who's um, our uh, LBMA uh, uh, president in Japan, uh, did an interview with Hitoshi Uchiyama, I think is how I want to make sure. He just goes by Toshi, I think. Anyhow, um, he's the CEO of one of our great member companies called Unary, um, uh, and um, you know uh, had that interview to share with us as well. Um, so, um, so I'll just kind of roll into the two interviews back to back there, um, and uh, some great stories, some great um, you know just insights into you know what's going on here in Canada, what's going on in Japan. Uh, obviously, very different markets, and yet we're all united in this crisis uh, globally. So. Uh, it's interesting to hear the perspective. So here's Rob, um, uh, and I did that interview, followed by Kuni interviewing Toshi from Unary. I'm super excited because uh, we have an old friend who's uh, back on the podcast this week as a special guest. Rob Woodbridge uh, is here. He is currently the GM for Ottawa for Lyft. Uh, everybody knows Lyft. Rob, how are you, buddy? Oh, I see. This is great. I feel like I'm on the other side here. I get to be a guest. <laughs> what happened? I get demoted? Yeah. I, well, I don't know. It's it, yeah. It's been a while, and you're you're off to bigger and better things. But um, yeah, uh, for those of, of uh, our audience who don't know, Rob was the originator of this podcast show with me, like nine and a half years ago, or something like that. Um, when we first started this uh, as this week in location-based marketing, um, it was just the two of us hosting this every week. Uh, and here we are like 10 years later, and um, now you're at Lyft, you've done a lot of other stuff in between, and uh, it's always good to see you, always good to have you on. So uh, just maybe tell us a little bit about your role, uh, what you're doing these days, and then we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Well, I, uh, I've been with Lyft about 18 months now. Um, it's hard to believe that it was like that long ago that we connected on this podcast. We were much younger, less gray hair. <laughs> I just, I can't even, I can't even fathom how young we were back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but for the last 18 months, I have, uh, I have been working for Lyft. Lyft is, uh, you know, in my mind, uh, the, uh, the preeminent rideshare company um, in, uh, in North America. And uh, about just over two years ago, Lyft made its first foray into Canada and landed in Toronto. And Toronto is the, the center of Canada's universe. Um, and then right after launching in Toronto, they opened up in Ottawa as well. So we've been here since uh, it'll be two years. It, it was just two years ago this past March that we opened up in Ottawa. And I've been here with the company for about 18 months. And my role is to run this market, is to make sure that uh, we provide a great, uh, a great ride for our riders and uh, a way for drivers to earn supplemental income uh, and, uh, and make sure that people can get around the city uh, effortlessly. And, and uh, that's, that's my role. And we operate, I'm, I'm actually here uh, in our hub, uh, which is um, in uh, close to downtown Ottawa, where our drivers come. And uh, it's like we call it a community hub because it's where our drivers come, hang out when we're not under uh, strict uh, stay-at-home advisories to uh, drink coffee, have some food, and interact with some of our uh, community associates here as uh, we help them get on the road. So it's been fun. It's, it, what, it's a great company. Lyft is a, uh, is a pretty rare company 
And the fact that they're operating in Ottawa, in my home city, to me was a natural, it was a no brainer. I felt who else but me, this is where the ego kicks in. Who else but me could, could work with a company like Lyft and bring it into the city and win in the city. It has to be, it just has to be, it's my town. So awesome. that's why I'm here. Love it. Um, so what's it been like? I mean, you and I, you know, over the years, we, you know, we've traveled a lot. We've been to a lot of conferences. We've, you know, done podcast shows, all kinds of things. But what's it been like for like over a month now, working from home in isolation with kids and wives and family <laughs> all around you and all of that? What's, what's that experience been like? Well, like I'm sure that it's the same for everybody else. Is I've spent an insane amount of time uh, growing my beard. Yes, yes. Like that, that has been beard. It. It'll it be is. gone at the end it's, of this for sure. It is. I don't know when it's going to go, but it's my basically it's my playoff human rally beard against COVID. And um, but I think that like everybody else that has gone through this process, like the rest of the world, is that I've spent a lot of time on video conferences. And now Lyft is a company that is is governed by video conference. We're a Google Hangout company and all we do, every meeting is by Hangout. So it's something that's inbred and born into the company and, and, it, and it continues obviously, but I've never been, <laughs> I've stared blankly at a television screen for a long time, but now I sit and stare blankly at, uh, at my computer for a long time. So like it, it's part of the, the culture of the company already. So it wasn't real extension. I think the biggest thing is that I gave up my home office uh, in my basement that we converted and I gave it to my kids and we created this great game room, their computers and their Xbox. So I've lost a, my spot in my house. So I sit at my dining room table and I'm an active part of meetings that are going on and of my family and uh, everything that it too. So I don't think it's any different from anybody else that it's been, uh, it's been hard. The first two weeks were kind of free falling, so to speak. Uh, and I think that over the last couple of weeks I've gained footing uh, on what we're doing. I'm assuming that that's just the same that you hear from everybody. It is. It is. It, you know, people are, uh, you know, getting used to it and, and everybody's living on, on video calls. Um, that and, uh, and Slack. So Slack seems yes. to be a consistent thing from a lot of companies I've been talking to uh, that are keeping them going. Are there any other tools that have you found helpful uh, in how you guys are working to kind of just keep the company moving and connected? Yeah. I mean, I am, um, I've oscillated a lot uh, around, uh, we're a Google Docs company as well. So we, like you can imagine that we're a Docs, we're a Google centric company. Yep. So Gmail, can you count? Um, and I, so, but I've gone, uh, I've gone into the, the Evernote world um, uh, and I'm trying to push that out to, to my local team here because uh, I am terrible at Google Docs. Like you send me a doc and I throw it in my email and it, and, it, and it just disappears and I can't ever find it. So I need something that is a central repository for that kind of stuff. So Evernote, for some reason, you know, like I came back to Evernote. I've tried everything and Evernote is the thing. But the other thing that I've started to uh, reuse um, because of the amount of emails, the, the number of emails have obviously escalated since we've been at home as well. Uh, so I use Superhuman which is this beautifully designed uh, email client. Um, and it's outrageously expensive. But I said, okay, listen, I'm gonna, I, I tried it once and I thought, no, no, it's too expensive. But it has saved me a million times uh, over since I've reignited uh, my, my account there. And, um, and I just, it's a lifesaver. So between Slack, uh, Superhuman, Evernote, and Google Hangouts, I, am, I feel a little bit more in control of my life at this stage. Just a little. 
<laughs> just a little. Just a little. Um, just a little. So here, here's another random question, because I know you're a guy that uh, consumes books um, yes. or, or, or has. Is there one book in particular you've read over this time that you want to recommend to people, business people? Oh, yeah. You see, I'm, uh, I'm reading a book by Ram Emanuel called The Nation City, because I'm fascinated by the way that our city has actually... Um, our mayor has uh, has worked this uh, crisis, and um, I'm very interested in in the the role of the mayor. So, uh, if you're interested in that, I would highly uh, I would highly 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 recommend that because it's just something that uh, gives you a good perspective of the power of the mayor versus a federal or national um, uh, power or prime minister or president. Um, I read uh, a book uh, called by Roman Dial called The Adventurer's Son. Uh, which is not a business book, but it's a gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching book about him losing his son, uh, who is an adventurer. Um, and then I read uh, Stephen Levy's book on Facebook. Yes. Um, this is just in the last three weeks. So Stephen Levy's book on Facebook is a massive tome, and uh, he does such in-depth work that uh, it's worthwhile to, to read that book. And you'll understand um, I think the fundamentals of why I despise that company, um, and it's just because of the privacy challenges that there ha that that I see. We talked about this many times on many podcasts around the fact that no no single person should be in control of two billion people uh, that isn't elected. So Levy's book is balanced, which is good because I'm not. <clears throat> so I would I would recommend Facebook uh, as uh, as his uh, as as a book to read. By Stephen very Martin. good, very good. I, I'm actually finding myself uh, with more time um, to read, or at least I'm just making more time right now. Maybe that's just part of the experience of being home. So I'm currently reading <laughs> yes. Donald Miller's uh, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. Uh, uh, which That should uh, be up on the list. It's been sitting on my shelf for a long time and I just hadn't pulled it off and, and read it. So um, that's what I'm reading currently. Um, so. Yeah. Well, the other book, like another book that you should read is uh, Samantha Power. Um, her book is um, The Education of an I Idealist. And uh, hers, uh, I mean, she worked with Obama. She obviously was the U.S. rep for the United Nations. Uh, and it was captivating, to say the least. And that's like a, it's a, it's a good size book, but it's like a two-day read because it's, mm -hmm. it's just full of uh, optimism. And especially in this world we need right now is optimism. Exactly. Uh, um, and speaking about that, you have a great post on LinkedIn right now that everybody should go check out. So go find Rob Woodbridge if you're not already following him on LinkedIn and read uh, his, his most recent post there. Um, a, a big... Um, I don't know. It just uplifted me and made, made me, well, it's it, it, it exactly what I'm feeling and thinking and, but you just say it so much better. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, yeah. 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 Um, okay. So lastly, let, let's come back to lift a little bit. Um, yeah. So is there anything that's kind of happened in the last number of weeks where uh, you guys have been able to kind of take your, technology platform, your, you know, your solution and sort of apply it to the COVID situation in a unique way to kind of help essential workers or, or whatever the case might be. Um, maybe talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, civic engagement is obviously one of the highest uh, priorities for, for Lyft in general. And obviously supporting communities, that's, that's what we do is that we are part of the community. And, and so in Ottawa and Toronto, 
you know, we have um, what we can, what we call lift up partners. So our roundup and donate partners inside of the app in Toronto, it's sick kids. And in Ottawa, it's children's hospital of Eastern Ontario, the foundation that runs, runs that. And, and um, that means you can round up to the next dollar and that money gets donated on your behalf to those, uh, those institutions. Um, but we, uh, so we, we work very closely with, uh, with the hospitals, uh, obviously, and making sure that, that their, the rides, um, uh, we're still donating to them. Uh, but here in Ottawa, we've, we worked with an organization um, called EORLA, which is the Eastern Ontario Regional Lab Association. And EORLA here, um, it's a centralized lab service that for all 16 hospitals that are in the region here, do all the soft tissue testing, the um, blood testing, gas testing, everything from all the hospitals. But they're also the primary location and source for all COVID testing in the region. So they have uh, a massive um, amount of uh, requirement for technicians and lab technicians and doctors to come in and out. So they don't interface with humans, but they're doing all the testing in the labs. So we, uh, we funded rides for their emergency services so that we can get people from all these different locations and hospitals to the testing facility. Uh, so the doctors, not the people being tested. We don't want to put those people in cars who, are, who think that they have uh, uh, yeah. COVID-19. So that's, that's a big one. And the other ones, like we're working with the Ottawa Mission here to help them get medicine to seniors, like those folks that need it the most, um, as well as uh, we're working with the uh, Ottawa Food Bank to help them distribute their food because sometimes the food banks have to shut down, don't enough volunteers, um, so, or they, need to, they have to get people who are in food deserts to the, to the food bank who need this food, who might have food insecurities. So we've given them a bunch of credit to be able to bring people to the food bank to get food and get them home or else to send volunteers to households to drop off food if they can't get there. So like our, our superpower is, is moving people uh, in mm -hmm. cars and we have this massive network. So we've completely focused on solving the issues where we can and being a good partner when we can. Awesome. That's it's awesome. It, it's so it good. Is. It's so good that you can do that. Um, you know, and uh, I love it. I, I love, you know, talking to, to different member companies uh, every week and hearing how people are adapting. And, you know, we're, we can get locked into the monotony of just our regular business, right? And, and we can forget about there's a whole world, a whole community around us that we need to be part of and it needs to be integrated, um, you know? And, uh, and I think for me, like, you know, as you said in your post and, and as, we're all becoming more aware of that. Like there's just this bigger planet, there's this bigger world and we're just a little piece of it. And, and yet we have a role to play uh, as people, as companies and, and we're all one. So let's, let's, let's make it so. And glad to hear what you guys are doing about it. That's amazing. Love it. Well, amen to that, Asif. It is our duty right now to do these things and it should be unquestionable uh, the ability to contribute so that, uh, that, we raise the greater good. And I think that that's what you just said. Super, super awesome. important. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, again, for our uh, listeners and watchers out there, we've been chatting with Rob Woodbridge. He's the GM for Lyft in Ottawa. Uh, thank you, sir. Great to have you back uh, on the show. Um, let's not uh, make it a one-time thing. We hope to see you regularly again. And uh, yeah, thank you, sir. Stay safe. Thanks, Steve. You too. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. Hi, everybody at the uh, LVMA.
my name is Kuni Kawashima from LBMA Japan uh, here in Japan. Uh, this is uh, April 8th, uh, Japan time. So, so far, uh, Japan have has had about uh, 4,257 uh, people affected by the coronaviruses, and this counts up to like 93 people. Now, uh, one of the biggest topics that we have here is that we, um, the government has issued the uh, state of emergency as of yesterday. Uh, it's been slow in the spreading of the uh, coronavirus here in Japan, but the expansion in areas like Tokyo uh, has started to grow rapidly. So the uh, government has finally taken the, the countermeasure towards the, uh, the spread of the virus. So obviously, as for the title of this uh, video, we all are staying at home. We have been asked to stay home. And uh, uh, let's, uh, let's share some ideas and whatever uh, we are doing here in Japan as well. Joining me is one of the uh, member and also the, uh, the board member of the LVMA Japan, uh, Mr. Hidetoshi Uchiyama from Wenery. Um, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Hidetoshi Uchiyama. It's a pretty long name, so call, just call me Toshi. I'm running uh, my company called Uneri, meaning um, a very big wave uh, in Japanese word. Um, and nice to meet you all. Thank you very much for taking this uh, interview. Um, can you uh, explain a little bit more about your company and what do you do with the uh, location-based uh, marketing? Okay, um, my company, Winery, uh, is a location-based ambient intelligence company. Uh, at the usual time, uh, uh, for example, in Japan, we have lots of vending machines, which is more than uh, 5 million vending machines. The number is almost the same as the number in the United States. And so we are installing a lot of IoT devices, but now we are installing beacons, iBeacons, so to a lot of vending machines and make them smart. So we are developing a smart vending machine. And because of that, uh, the vending machine sales increase by uh, 5 to 10%. So, and that doesn't, for example, first example in my company. And now we are expanding our business into a lot of areas, such as the buildings and the trains or shopping malls and cars and homes. So we are installing a lot of beacons into the lot of um, real things in Japan. Now we have 1.5 million beacons over around Japan, which is the, the obviously the biggest number in the Japanese market. And we collect a lot of uh, human location data, including the GPS and beacon location data, then analyzed using the AI and the feedback the result to the people uh, in Japan. Then um, we, are, we aim to optimize um, the human flow. So, so as a result, um, so our clients, most of our clients are retailers and uh, manufacturers. So, so our value is to increase the, their sales. So uh, you, using the, the human flow data. 
So that's what uh, we are already we are usually doing. Okay, thank you very much. Now the human flow had stopped, and how yes. has this virus uh, impacted your business and employees for the for, for the reason? All right, um, I think uh, now is the time uh, we have to show our value into the world. So um, we are developing a lot of visualization methods and ways so that a lot of people in Japan can understand the where is the crowded area and what what is where is it not and because we're professional so we have lots of way of we have lots of way of visualization but the problem is a lot of japanese people don't know what what, what is the effective way of communi com communication uh, for them to uh, avoid the crowded area so now we are working with a lot of TV medias and uh, news medias to visualize our human flow data for them to communicate our data in, to the people in Japan. So now we are we don't sell our products. We just um, contribute to the Japanese community now. Are, are you okay with all the businesses? No, you're not selling anything? <laughs> Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> but the the thing, the good thing is that uh, our the fiscal year ends in June, so we have three months more. But uh, our sales target has already uh, exceeded the annual target, so we don't have to work for the rest of the fiscal year. So that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, that must be a great timing. Um, you've mentioned a little bit about the uh, the working with news medias, uh, providing uh, some data or the visualization of the uh, the the condensed area and all of that. Um, is that you know? Is there any other things that you are doing? Some cool, interesting use cases of uh, your service or solutions to uh, help the local communities or the uh, the people here in Japan? Mm, yeah, I think um, most a lot of. Uh, companies and, and people as a house has um, already working on it, but uh, we are now identifying the clusters. So there, now Japan, uh, as Kuni pointed out, that we have more than 4,000 people are already uh, affected by the, the new coronavirus, but um, we know that where, where are the, the clusters. So uh, now, we are analyzing that um, the people going to the clusters and they are going outside the clusters. So now we are evaluating each areas the risk. We are assessing the each areas that um, the, how many people are going to that area. That people mean that are affected by the coronavirus. So now we are assessing the the coronavirus risk assessment by places. Okay. Uh, that's very good to know. Um, lastly, I guess, uh, any messages towards uh, all the members around the world uh, of the LBMA, now all the human uh, movement has stopped. Uh, what do we look for and uh, what do we uh, think about towards mm -hmm. the future? 
Yeah, as I, as I said, now is the time that the location, the location-based business companies show our value to the world. So I forget about the sales because now it's a lot of advertisement has already stopped. So now, as I said, now is the time to show our value to the world. So we have to develop a new way of communication, a new way of visualization, new way of the use case. And, um, but the problem is a lot of people worry about the privacy, right? So we have to um, exceed the, um, our body needs to exceed the, the concerns of privacy. So now the, now the time to show our body. So that's what um, we have to do right now, I think. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for, for your time and hope uh, you can show a lot of values uh, around the, uh, the, the news and medias. And I'm seeing his faces all over the TV these days. So that's <laughs> a good thing for LVMA as well. So thank you. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, everybody stay home and uh, let's hope uh, things will get better uh, pretty quickly. Thank you very much. Let's sign out from Japan. Thank you. All right, thanks guys. Uh, we really appreciate uh, all of you taking the time to do those interviews and kind of just bringing that little perspective from uh, your home environments and isolation. Uh, we'll have lots more of these interviews over the next number of weeks. Um, but uh, now we'll come back to uh, the industry news here. And um, uh, the first of the uh, two stories here this week is Place IQ uh, has made an acquisition. Um, and as we were talking about last week, Gabriana, uh, it seems like there's going to be uh, some, a lot of consolidation coming uh, this year. I think, you know, companies that are struggling to come out of the COVID situation or from a financial impact on that, um, others where they're just um, still reeling from, you know, the fallout of not being able to be compliant with GDPR or CCPA or other privacy issues. Um, so I think there's going to be, you know, a fair, a fair bit of consolidation. So obviously last week we talked about Foursquare, um, you know, merging with Factual. Um, and this week, uh, Place IQ has announced that they've acquired Freckle IoT. Now, this is an interesting story for me. Um, and uh, I'm trying to decide how far I want to go with it. But uh, uh, Freckle is a Toronto-based uh, company. Uh, I've known this company for a long time. It's... Uh, a spin out of um, you know uh, several uh, other companies that uh, their founder Neil Sweeney has been uh, part of here uh, in Canada um, over the last number of years. Now Freckle has been more focused on the attribution side, um, you know, uh, into you know things like Beacon uh, technology for measuring attribution and that sort of thing. As we talked about last year, Place IQ kind of got out of the media part of the business with, you know, selling um, that part of the business to, to Zeta um, and kind of sort of retrenched to its roots, if you will, kind of focusing on, on quality of, of their location data and that type of thing. Um, and so now they're bringing in uh, Freckle, which is uh, an opt-in uh, first-party data solution, SDK-based solution focused on, on things like beacons and that type of thing. Uh, they have a big book of business here in Canada being based here. 
Uh, Place IQ is not active in Canada, uh, so it gives them, you know, sort of a, a footprint in, in this market up here. Um, and Freckle wasn't in the media business, um, so it, it's an interesting, you know, kind of merger to kind of bring that together. Uh, the other part of it is, is Freckle also had another business called Killy, uh, which is a privacy business. Uh, where consumers opt in to provide data and then get paid uh, sort of in a data vaulting type of scenario. That is not part of the acquisition. That will remain as a separate entity. Um, but here's the thing. Um, I think from a place IQ perspective, I like the deal. I think it's a good fit for their business. I think the technology, uh, you know, is, is a good complement to what they already do. Um, and... I'll, I'll say this because why not be a bit controversial? So I'm not the biggest fan of Neil Sweeney, and, and I'll just put that out there. So he, um, you know, in his previous businesses up here in Canada before uh, before Freckle, uh, you know, there was a lot of um, negative press. Uh, there was a lawsuit against him for workplace uh, behavior and harassment and death threats and a whole bunch of other things. Um, and uh, you know, he, he was uh, summarily dismissed from uh, uh, the Yellow Pages group, which was the company that acquired his first company up here in Canada. So it was kind of heavier into that sort of uh, search side of the business and uh, digital asset management piece of it. So, um, you know, what, what I'm really thankful for, because I really respect Duncan and the Place IQ team, is that you know, Killy is actually staying out and Neil's staying out with that because uh, while I like the technology and I like the fit for Place IQ, uh, I'm really thankful for that the personnel uh, isn't part of this. And so I'll just say that flat out and leave it at that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to that uh, part of this deal um, or acquisition, but I do think that it's interesting that they kept out, um, you know, I, we can, like you said, we continue to see this consolidation for these types of players for the place IQs. I think this is a tough time for those location-based players because the the power of location has totally changed. Where it's more of the power of staying in one location versus moving around. Um, but you know, and I think that we're going to continue just to see that be a little bit complicated for people where you know, attribution is not necessarily where you always are going from a physical standpoint, but attribution is just how do you get to, you know, that, um, that purchase or, you know, how do you, and right now it's, it's not necessarily always driven by preference. It's driven by, you know, availability. It's driven by so many other things. Um, you know, and the idea that they did keep the Killy app separate is very interesting to me as well. And I also wonder if that is because, you know, Neil thinks that that is more of the future and going more to a consumer first approach versus, um, you know, the attribution part of it. I'm not sure, but it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. And again, you know, I think we're going to see, we're going to see, we're going to see some smaller players go away. Um, or get consolidated and you know it's kind of going to be I, I think once you know this time next year it's going to be game on for the players that are still uh, you know still standing so we'll see yeah and, and, I, and I think that um, you know it, it's um, yeah we're, we're going to see a lot more of this I, I think that um, the um, there, there, there's going to there's a need actually for consol more consolidation in the industry right now. There, there's just a lot of players. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of 
um, you know, at the end of this, when I think the advertising comes back uh, post COVID, I think people are going to be looking for, you know, a lot more clarity, a lot more, um, you know, consistency and quality and, uh, you know, just measurability of, uh, you know, the effectiveness of a lot of these solutions because, you know, I think, I think it's given people, one thing that this, this break has done, it's given people a lot of time to think, a lot of time to reassess, a lot of time to rebrand, a lot of time to do, just, just reflect on, you know, are, you know, are we spending money on the right things? And you know, one of the cool things is I think um, we're realizing that, uh, you know, like we're all in this together and, and there's much more that we can be doing for the, the world and the planet and each other uh, than just, you know, advertising and, you know, um, that type of stuff. So um, I, I think there's going to be a, a significant continued post-COVID redirect of uh, funds. Yep. I, I totally agree. And I do think that this time is valuable for people because there is so much transition in the ad ecosystem, in the location ecosystem right now from a privacy perspective, compliance, you know, it's almost, uh, an, the, it's almost giving people the ab ability to sort of uh, put in place a, a strategy as they come out of this and, and what's going to take priority. So laying that groundwork while they have a second to breathe and not um, necessarily overwhelmed with their regular day-to-day uh, you know, maybe, maybe good for the industry and we'll come out better because of it. There you go. All right. Uh, one more story we've got, uh, and I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. So, you know, there, there was an interesting story in food and wine this, that was, um, almost encouraging consumers to delete your food delivery apps. And the reason for that was there, um, you know, I'm not going to name, the players at this point because I haven't had enough time to do a ton of research into um, all of the nuts and bolts of who's doing what and I definitely don't want to throw anybody under the bus that uh, is not part of this group but you know really my key takeaway here was that there's a lot of these food delivery apps um, you know that have worked with restaurants for a while and um, you know restaurants are having a really hard time right now right uh, you know, people are, can't dine in. Everything is either, you know, takeout or delivery at this point, you know, curbside offerings. And I think that it's really a challenging time for them. Um, you know, from the food delivery perspective, you've got people that are, you know, still out and about more often than, than most of us who are just, you know, making the minimal trips to the store or just delivering um, food to our homes. And, you know, it, it, puts a lot of pressure on them from a health perspective and an exposure perspective as well. And so I would just say, you know, as a consumer and, you know, as somebody that's in the industry, take a look at the apps that you're using, find out what are they doing for their employees right now? What are they doing for their partners that are restaurants and how are they treating them? Some of them are, you know, continuing to charge the same commissions and fees that they were before. Others are just deferring it where they're going to say like, hey, you don't have to pay us right now. You're still going to have to pay us, but you can, you know, wait a couple months to do that. Um, others are decreasing, you know, the commissions that the restaurants have to pay. Some are even decreasing the pay to employees, which is really, you know, not great either. I've been hearing kind of rumors about that from a food delivery perspective. And, you know, I think that that's just not okay right now, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that are important and obviously delivering good service is important and trying to, to stay, um, you know, afloat as a business, if you can, is really important. But, 
um, like you said, you know, everybody is, is sharing in this and it's, uh, whether you're a big player, um, on the food delivery side, or you are, you know, a mom and pop restaurant, um, or, you know, just an employee trying to keep food on your table as well. So I would just encourage everybody, you know, check out the food and wine, um, article and, you know, just kind of do your research before you start ordering more and more food and, and make sure that you are truly supporting your, your local, you know, restaurants and things of that nature. And maybe there's a better way you can go about it. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a lot to add to that, but I will say, you know, certainly up here, um, you know, we've as a family have been using more, uh, of the, uh, food delivery services than we ever have. Um, we were never big proponents of that in the first place, but, uh, we are now. Um, and, and you know, I do love the, the ease of it. I do love the sort of, you know, pay with your, you know, your Apple wallet, you know, and, you know, Apple pay and, and so on and all that kind of easy integration stuff. And, you know, the fact that, it, you know, the stuff can just be uh, dropped off because it's already prepaid and you don't have to like, you know, talk to anybody, touch anything, you know, all that sort of stuff. That's great. Um, but there's no, there's no reason for gouging. There's, you know, like, especially now when the industry is suffering, um, you know, like up here, like the Uber Eats and, and, and some of the services that we've been using, we have one up here called Skip the Dishes. Um, and um, they've all gone to like pretty much for every restaurant, there's like zero delivery charge um, and all of that. But yeah, I mean, on the back end of that, in terms of what they're charging the restaurants, who knows, right? And I, I just think like we, you know, yes, people should just take a little more time, kind of like look at, um, you know, the ethics of these things and make sure that uh, in light of what I said earlier, like, you know, it's a different time now, you know, it gives us time to reflect, it gives us time to think uh, about where the money is going, how we're spending, you know, our hard earned dollars as people and as companies. Um, and, uh, there's just, you know, there's better uses of that, um, you know, that, you know, like every little penny. So let's just think about it. Um, I'm not saying don't, don't use these services. They're great. They're convenient. They work. Uh, they support a lot of people, a lot of jobs, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of companies and, and I think they're great and we should be using them, but let's just like rethink a little bit, you know, about the ethics of it and look into a little bit more hard, look a little harder at the charges behind it so that's it um so thank you everyone for listening and watching this has been episode number 460 of uh, location weekly we thank you as always for listening and watching every week uh please send us story ideas please uh give us feedback on the show reach out to us on social media platforms uh if you have uh any feedback for us comments likes uh you know give us stars whatever um we, we like that stuff um and um yeah um just stay safe uh stay healthy um yeah and stay home. That's it. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.